This podcast is recorded and produced on the unceded lands of the Darkinyung people, and I acknowledge them as the traditional owners. This is Mother Other with Amy Pearson. Hello, welcome back to another episode. And thanks to our sponsors, Coco Flip. Today, I am recording my intro with my almost three-month-old over my shoulder, and you might hear some baby sounds in the background. I also am a little bit sick. Um, It's not COVID, don't worry. It is just a cold, but it means my voice doesn't sound great. How are you feeling? I know we're all mostly in lockdown in Australia again. It's really tumultuous time. It has been for the last year and a half, nearly. I just, I feel for everybody that's in the same position that I'm in and worse, there's a lot of people that are worse off. I want to just acknowledge that as well. Today's conversation is with Fiona Kilaki, the absolute business whiz behind My Daily Business Coach. She helps everybody from small creatives to big businesses to understand, create and analyze and basically improve on their marketing, branding, content and business strategies. She helps you with all of the things that aren't normally fun about business. Well, not for me personally anyway, and she really nails it. I think you should all go and listen to her podcast, My Daily Business Coach. If you haven't already, add it to your queue. If you're in business or if you're looking at being in business anytime soon, I'm sure you'll get a lot of wisdom out of that. In the show today, we chat about Fiona's family roots her career trajectory, and eventually launching her own incredibly successful freelance business. Yeah, that's my um, that's my three-month-old Banksia having a bit of a conversation in the background there. Her son was, in fact, the catalyst for her freelance business. So as you know, that's an area of great interest for me. Fiona discusses her conception journey, including experiencing secondary infertility, She does discuss miscarriage and going through IVF for her second pregnancy. We also touch on grief and the loss of some very close people in her life, including her own mother. Fiona was such a joy to chat with. She really radiates warmth and shares so much of her own story with humility, which is rare for someone with such esteem. I really hope you enjoy this episode. It's full of just wholesome content and a lot of really good insights about business towards the end there. So stick around, get some good advice from the one and only Fiona Kilaki. Okay, everyone, enjoy. Fiona runs My Daily Business Coach, helping everyone from small creatives to big businesses to understand, create, analyze, and improve their marketing, branding, content, and business strategies. She also runs a really great podcast alongside the business called My Daily Business Coach, offering nuggets of wisdom and support on a regular basis. I'm an avid listener. Fiona is also a freelance writer for publications like The Design Files, uh, Refinery29, The Age. You do a lot of things, Fiona, uh, some of which I haven't listed, but one of the most excellent (laughs) things is the book that you released last year called Passion, Purpose, Profit an informative and deeply profound guide to building a business you love, which I have savoured every page of and I honestly didn't expect (laughs) to like it as much as I did because I don't read a lot of books about business, but I'm very appreciative that you created something beneficial for everyone who is in the thick of 
building a small business and sort of out of their depth. So thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you for reading it. I'm so, so, so glad that it's helped. Yeah. That's the, that was the point. It's it's so, yeah. really, really helpful. So anyone who's listening that needs some business help, get on that. And also welcome to Mother Other. Thanks for coming on to talk to me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Mm-hmm. I've listened to your podcast and I'm excited to chat further oh, about all things motherhood. Amazing. Um, do you want to start us off by telling us about who you're a mum to? So I have two young boys. Uh, Elio is 18 months, maybe 19 months, literally in a couple, tomorrow, 19 months. Um, and Levi is eight. He just had his birthday in January. Ah, so your second is very close in age to my my first. Yes, Almost yes, two. mid-2019. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And then the crazy COVID year mm. in between. <laughs> Where, Isn't that wild? Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. So if we go way, way back to your own experience growing up in your own childhood, can you tell me about the family dynamic that you came from originally? Yeah, so um, I am the youngest of four. I have uh, an older brother, uh, sorry, two older brothers and an older sister, um, boy, girl, boy, girl, and I'm at the bottom. Um, yeah, we grew up, we were all born in England. My parents are Irish uh, and we moved over in oh, the early 80s. I was almost four and yeah, didn't know a single person in Australia at all. So yeah, that was, that would have been fun for my mom. I really, I think back to that, she had to, my dad had already moved to Australia and so she had to cart up, you know, four young children, four under the age of six and a half. Um, oh no. That was when I was born, sorry. No, four under about 10. Mm-hmm. And yeah, cart us like on multiple different um, vehicles to get us to Australia. And then she set up home in a house out in the Burbs. Um, she didn't know anyone. My dad worked in the city. So I can't even imagine what that was like mm. for her. And her mum died three weeks after they got here. Oh my and God. they didn't have the money to go back. So I think she found it really tough at the start. Not that we ever knew that because she was just an incredible mother. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we were just, you know, my parents took full advantage of the sunshine in Australia mm. versus England and Ireland. So yeah, we went camping heaps. We were always going on bike rides. Um, Dad was amazing. Every Sunday, he would just take us for these huge walks. It was just, we were always outside. Mm. So yeah, that was lovely. It was really, really a great childhood. I can't can't complain at all. Mm. Um, my mum and dad were both huge on learning and education and they were very much like they worked their asses off. Oh, sorry. That's I know you're welcome to swear. That's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, they worked really, really hard for the four of us to, you know, get what they perceived to be a really good education mm. um, and they just constantly were telling us if you can get an education and if you can be a kind person, your life is Set. Mm, that's so, so true. Yeah, they really instilled that. I had an amazing childhood. Mm, that's great. And then, if you go forward in time to before you before you had children, who were you as a working woman? What was your lifestyle like before you became a mum? Yeah, so I was living in the UK with my husband. I'd moved back when I was twenty one. I moved back, you know, because I had the UK passport, and I was like, I'm gonna. I'm going to rule London. Mm -hmm. And I moved back as a 21-year-old. And then I came back to Australia because I didn't really get to rule London. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then um, when I got married, I said to my husband, I want to go and live in London again. So we had this incredible time in London before we had our son, our first son, Levi. We had him in London. Um, But we just had years of like traveling and 
partying and working and no responsibilities and no obligations. There was no, you know, family get together to have to mm. go to. There was no, oh, we better go to see your parents on this day or that day. Mm. Um, we just, we think about it now and we're like, God, that was just a big, big four year holiday that we had in London. So um, I was working at Amazon just before um, we decided to start trying for a baby. And I just actually just moved to Audible because it was a part-time job. And I knew that I wanted to start trying to have a baby. And I thought um, once I have the baby, it would be good to go back to a part-time job rather than Amazon, which at the time was in Slough, which is like a kind of not the funnest part outside of London. It's where the office was set. So it's just like a really divey area. Uh, But it had cheap rent, which is why Amazon was there. Uh, And that was a good hour and a half um, commute each way to Amazon, whereas Audible was in London. So I was sort of... I kind of tried to get my ducks in a row before we started trying to have a child mm. because I thought I can't do that commute while pregnant. Mm. So that means your business baby was after your real baby. <laughs> yes, yes. My daily business coach happened. Um, Levi was a catalyst for that because that was, was when we'd moved mm, back. And yeah, I was so going to ask that question. I always wonder because I feel like a lot of people I talk to say that something to do with motherhood triggers the next steps towards whatever it is that they sort of find as their vocation, I guess. So Yeah, totally. So tell me about wanting to become a mum. Was that something that you wanted to do? Was it always, yep. always, ten thousand percent. Yep. My mum um was such an amazing mum. And yeah, I just I adored her. I adored playing with dolls. I was that kid that, you know, always had little dolls and and just dreamt of being a mum so yeah it was 10,000% on my radar. So you had planned to have a family with your partner and it was an intentional pregnancy? Yes yes it was definitely we kept putting it off um, because it was like let's get married and then oh let's do it next year and then let's go to London and then oh I'm really enjoying London let's just keep it another year and another year and (laughs) another year Um, and so I was 31 when I got pregnant with Levi and it, it didn't take long. It took us six weeks. We got pregnant. Um, yeah, didn't know I was pregnant. Uh, I actually did a pregnancy test cause I was, you know, you're very hopeful when you just started, you're like doing pregnancy tests mm-hmm. the first you know, yep. month being like, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did a pregnancy test and we weren't pregnant. And then we went away that weekend to Dorset and we just had this incredible weekend. And I came back and I said to Jerome, I still feel like I'm pregnant. And he was like, well, you did the test, you know, you're not. Um, And then I went to work and I picked up a pregnancy test on the way to work and I did the pregnancy test in the audible um, toilet and I was pregnant and I was so excited, but I had just meetings all day. I remember (laughs) I kept pulling out the test in my bag. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Just check the line still there. (laughs) Yeah, just check it. I did it like 20 times. And then then we had to go out for dinner that night. And so I did another pregnancy test at Liverpool Street Station toilets before I told my husband because I wanted to be absolutely sure. Mm. Yeah, and then we went out for dinner and I didn't drink and people instantly said, oh, are you pregnant? And I was like, no, no, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just trying to be healthy. So, yeah, oh, it was funny. amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Yeah, that sounds really nice, like a nice sort of experience of the first time especially. Um, did yes. you – I know, I'm so lucky. Did you question how much it might impact your ability and time to work? Um, I think not then because I was in London and I just had, we just had this incredible freedom. Like we didn't, Mm. there was literally no responsibilities. Uh, My husband at the time as well, 
which is going to sound like, oh, gosh, she's just got an age. But at the time, he um, was modelling full-time, so mm. he's not a model. He was, uh, he is a graphic designer, but um, he'd been constantly asked to model in the UK, and I was like, just do it. Like, it's easy money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so by that time, he was a full-time model, which meant he would do, like, one job and then he'd have a month off. Wow. Um, and then do another job. And and so we just had a great setup to have the first child. It was very, very different to the second child. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, I didn't really question it. I think I was just so excited. Yeah. And especially because I guess I'm thinking about your life now, which is obviously very busy because you've got a lot on your plate compared to then. It sounds like a huge change and a huge yeah, shift. It was. So how about your pregnancy experience? Was it still all sort of really positive and hopeful throughout that whole pregnancy yeah I had um I had a great I know people listening were probably like ah but I absolutely loved being pregnant both times Mm. um I had a a amazing pregnancy I had a bit of you know anxiety around oh my gosh you know because he didn't move for a long time Mm -hmm. and a lot of people like he should have been kicking by now and then my mum was like can't you know calm down he'll he'll be fine he'll kick when he needs to kick um and she also my mum was a midwife all of her right life. okay so she was amazing to talk to when we actually had the birth um it was a crash they call it a crash one emergency cesarean in the UK right. which means either the mother is going to die or the baby's going to Whoa. die yeah so yeah we had um went into hospital at 9 30 because I had like my water had broken and I was like bleeding and you know I called my sister in the in Australia like what do I do and she's like call the hospital you're in another country I can't help you <laughs> Uh, and so, yeah, I went in and they just, it, it was a horrible experience. Um, the, it was, it was just a, the whole thing was horrible. They basically were like, pull down your pants. And then they just talked amongst themselves. And then they came in, didn't even talk to me and said to somebody, you need to induce it now. Um, and I was like, what? And they're like, yep, yep. And I'd had this whole, like, I'd done the hypnobirthing classes. Mm. I'd done this whole, like, I'm going to be like earth mother. Mm. Um, yeah. And it was absolutely nothing like that. Um, and then I had a guy come in, the doctor came in and said, here's the paperwork for a cesarean. You need to sign this contract. Um, you need to have one. And I was like, started crying and I was like, I'm not going to have one. And, and um, yeah. And then he came back in, he said, I'll give you half an hour. And then he came back in 10 minutes and said, you need to come, this child needs to get out now. Otherwise it will die. Oh my God. And so we literally ran, mm. like we all ran down the hallway um, and then he was out within, you know, felt like, felt like a little bit of time, but it was, I think on the report, it was like a minute or two minutes. Wow. He was out. Um, and he had the, the cord wrapped around his neck a few times. Oh, okay. Um, yep. so yeah, it was just the whole experience was definitely not mm. beautiful and blissful at, at all. Yeah. A bit of a shift from the experience of pregnancy. Hey, I guess yes, that's the totally. thing. Like not everybody has everyone sort of has usually something great and something not so great about their experience, whatever it is. So yeah. how about the experience after that, especially after having a C-section and such a traumatic experience, I assume, um, how did you go in the postpartum period? Did you have any support emotionally, physically? No, because we had no family there. So um, the other thing is the NHS, which is the national health system in the UK, is very, very different to here. Uh, in Australia and so I was out within 24 hours mm. um, of that I was put into a ward with like 15 women uh, I couldn't sleep I didn't know what was happening um, no one helped at all like I said oh can I have a shower and I thought someone would help me mm. um, and they, they literally pointed and said 
the showers in there. You can oh, do it God. yourself. Um, and the shower was actually a lot, which is very common in the UK. It was a shower over a bath. So you had to step oh. in oh um, with a cesarean and then I dropped the soap. But I just remember being like, this is agony. I'd rather be at home. Oh. Um, and so I just said, can I leave? And they're like, yep, you can sign yourself out. Mm. So I left, yeah, 24 hours after that. Your husband um, obviously was- wasn't allowed to stay with you or partner, sorry. No, 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 yeah, no. Okay. It was, it was t- like it was a, a very packed ward. Mm. You just had yourself in a tiny curtain next to it. Um, yeah, then when we went home and then my son stopped feeding, um, oh. he was breastfeeding and he just stopped mm. all of a sudden and it was snowing and we called the hospital oh and they're like, you should come in, but we didn't even have like, we didn't have a car, so we didn't have a baby capsule. So my husband had to go out to the shops, get a baby capsule, get the baby. We went into hospital, um, and they just monitored him for 24 hours. Um, but even in the hospital, like might be too much information, but I was bleeding a lot. Yeah, of and course, yeah. Even in the hospital, I said, oh, is it possible to get a pad? Um, and they were like, no, you're in the children's ward. Like this is, we're looking at your child, we're not looking at you. Oh my God. So again, my poor husband, I remember it was like 9.30 on a Sunday night and it was snowing and he had to go out and try and find somewhere that he could buy pads oh. and the whole thing was just not fun. That sounds at all. so awful. Then he, you know, he started feeding. We had a, we got a lactation consultant who was amazing. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so that was good. But I had a really great um, group of women in the UK, and we still actually talk every week on WhatsApp. Okay, so yeah. that was my support network. That's good. I was going to ask that question because I think even if you don't have, and I mean, I I was in Melbourne, so I didn't have such a horrific experience in the hospital system it was actually pretty good but um having Mm. no family and old close friends around to rely on was a very similar experience so I found that finding other mothers eventually it didn't happen straight away was a huge huge change for me because even just being able to talk about this stuff that we're talking about right now which you can't talk about with anyone at the time really um that no, understands someone who's going through it yeah yeah especially even the shower situation I'm thinking you know I had a vaginal birth but I had really bad tearing and so I also at the end of the really 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 long labor could barely stand up mm. and I remember the midwife mm. saying to me okay time to get in the shower and like put a towel over me because I was laying there naked my partner was there and I was like wait do I have to go and do that myself? I don't think I can even stand up. I could barely even hold my body. I had to say, can you please help me? And like, he had to do everything. So I can't even imagine being alone and having to go through that. It's so sad. There's not enough support for women in hospitals when these these birth situations are happening. It's wild. It was, it was really weird. My mum was just disgusted. Yeah. She was like, what? They've, yeah. they've, made, they've let you leave already? Are you kidding? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then how did you find other mums, especially being overseas? Yeah, so I had actually, because I was born in the UK, my mum had always talked about this NCT group that she'd had, which is the National Childbirth Trust. Mm-hmm. So they do have, similar to here, they do have like a like a mother's group you can join from the hospital. But the area that I was in, it was just so diverse. So I thought I want to find, you know, people that I feel a connection with. And so I did the NCT course. So it's a a course that you do on a weekend and it puts you with women of a similar age. That was a thing. Um, You could choose your age group. You could choose, um, you know, the the suburb or the area um, that was within, you know, where you were. And, yeah, I just chose... A particular group and we went one weekend and we all talked and we just went out to the pub afterwards and 
we've just stayed in touch. That's like nine years ago now. Wow. So, yeah, it was really, really good. But I think also London is a very transient city. There's mm. a lot of people there that don't have family. Mm. So, um, yeah, we just had a very diverse group of people from all over different parts of Europe. And uh, I think only one of them actually had a family in London. Today's episode is sponsored by Coco Flip. Coco Flip is a Melbourne-based furniture and lighting design studio run by Kate Stokes and Hazlitt Grounds. Working closely with local craftspeople and manufacturers, they create playful products with personality. With an appreciation of slowness in life and work, they place a high value on time, community and quality. Coco Flip creates distinctive furniture and lighting for people who celebrate the good things in life. Enter Mother Other at the checkout to receive 15% off your order. Valid until November 7th, 2021. How about, especially because you've got a, a second child now, which I suppose happened when your life was completely different, did you find mums to connect with back here that were also sort of running businesses or pursuing goals and also wrangling other children and trying to deal with all? Because that's a whole other um, level to yeah. connect on, I think. Yeah, I definitely, um, like poor Elio, he definitely did not have like the playgroups and also with the one in London, um, I had a year off paid from, not paid for the whole year, but I had a year of maternity leave from Audible. Wow. So I had the whole year to just relax. Yeah. And um, we ended up moving back to Australia when my son was about eight months old. So it was just a totally different experience. Um, this time I had Elio and I gave myself three months off and then I had set up group coaching to start in the third month um, which was only an hour uh, a week or an hour every two weeks um, but then I got the book deal uh, in July like we totally finalized it in July and my son was born at the end of June so that book had to be written in three months mm. so we ended up hiring a nanny to come in and so that I could do four hours of writing every week and my mother-in-law helped as well one day a week but yeah I just I definitely didn't have the same group of mums around a lot of my friends have had kids but a lot of them were not having it because you know Levi's eight years old yeah. a lot of them had a child at that time and they had another one pretty quickly afterwards mm. um, we had a lot of trouble getting pregnant with the second one so that's why there was such a massive gap and then when he came along yeah I just didn't have it just it was a completely different lifestyle my dad was in a nursing home my mum had died um I was looking after my dad quite a bit. So there just wasn't the, in London, it just feels like I had all this time to be like, let's do a baby massage class and let's do this play yeah. group today. Um, so yeah, I definitely didn't, ha didn't, I didn't do anything like a mother's group. I do have friends who have kids um, and run their own businesses. So I've definitely connected more with them um, since I've started my business. But yeah, I definitely didn't go out and get, kind of, I don't really know that many people have a, who have a young, young child like me. Um, I have a good friend, uh, Phoebe, who just had a baby um, last year. But other than that, I don't have a lot of friends who have a business and a young child. A lot of them have primary school age children. Yeah, right. And it's such a big difference between even just a year, totally. really, between yeah. ages of children when they're very young. It's a huge difference. So, yeah. yeah, that's such, wow, you've had such two, I guess, complete opposite <laughs> experiences of yeah. raising children. So I'm trying to fill in the gaps between the first baby moving back to Australia. What made you move back to Australia originally? We just realised the quality of life. Um, I got shouted at a few times just randomly on the street by, you know, just randoms in London for telling me my pram was taking up too much space. Mm. Um, you'd go on the tube, you know, 
like it, it, everything was just harder mm. and I just like once you have a baby it's not like you can just whip around town um and so and we were living in an apartment and we just thought you know this is the first grandchild for my in-laws um and my parents were getting older and so we're like let's just go home like then they then they can grow up with cousins sounds exactly like even the first grandchild for my partner's family and my oh, my yeah. parents already have a lot of grandchildren but they're getting a lot of, they're a lot older and so that's the mm. exact reason we moved from victoria to new south wales and the cousins oh, it's, this, wow. it's totally yes, the same that's situation exactly. yeah oh, and that's totally the same the lifestyle's very different because i'm not in the city anymore and i really miss that culture but mm. at the same time uh it's not like it was in london obviously melbourne is incredible so i miss it more probably than maybe you miss london i'm not sure yeah, I, I, we do miss London, but we always think that the London that we had is not the London we'd have with two kids. Yeah, it's totally. Yeah, that makes um, sense. And even my mother's group, majority of them have moved back to Czech Republic or yeah. Ireland or Amsterdam or they've, they've gone to be with family. They've gone to get that support mm. that they weren't getting. Okay, so tell me about your business and how that began. You said it was sparked originally by your first child somewhat? Yeah, so we got back to Australia and I'd been offered a job at an agency in Melbourne while I was still in London, um, which was great. So I had a job to come back to, but we actually found it really, really hard to get Levi into childcare here. Um, yep. we, we put him down at like 25 places in Melbourne. We were living in, you know, the city of Melbourne um, or North, North Melbourne. And yeah, we just, no one would take him. And so I couldn't actually start the job mm. <laughs> until I had him two days a week in childcare. Um, and eventually he started in childcare when he was about 11 or 12 months old and I was still trying to breastfeed and pump and so that was a bit hard. I was at that agency for a bit and then got um, asked to come in and interview at a large retailer for a, a brand marketing job um, and so I took that job but when I took that job I was actually going to go out on my own and I thought I could do that, you know, I've got this experience but I took that job and I, well, it was good and bad. It gave me a lot of good experience but I also it was relentless and I, it was the first, you know, full-time job that I'd worked at for a while. Um, my husband stepped back and did part-time so that he could look after Elio, I mean, Levi, some of those times, but it just got to the point where I was like, what am I doing? Like my son is two, he was two at that stage and I, we were on holiday and I was like, what am I doing? Like I'm, I'm wasting this time, not wasting, but I'm working in a job that I don't love. Um, I'm not seeing him. And then when I do see him, I'm exhausted and mm. I'm, you know, rush, 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 get the bath, get the dinner, come on, I've got to get back on the computer and do more work. Mm. Um, and it wasn't a good lifestyle. And I just suddenly was like, he's going to be in school soon. And either I take a jump or I don't. And so, yeah, I started my, my business at the end of 2015. And I thought, I'll give it a year. And if it doesn't work, I can go and find another job. It obviously worked very well because it yeah. seems like you're <laughs> doing incredibly well for yourself, which is really, really nice to see. Oh, and then so there was a a few years after that that you started trying for another baby and then well we started trying straight away oh, okay. so we actually um started in uh so I finished up at the end of 2015 started my business got pregnant 2016 um and had a miscarriage and that just like I I, I think because I was one of those very lucky lucky women mm -hmm. that had such an easy run the first time I just foolishly believed I will get pregnant whenever I feel like it and even when I was at that retail job my husband was like we should start we should start and I was like no 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 I'm you know I'm enjoying this I'm enjoying this kind of career life um even though I really wasn't but yeah then we had a miscarriage um and then a whole lot of stuff happened in 18 months we had a miscarriage then we 
my auntie died, my husband's aunt, who was like a, a mum to him. And then my mother dropped dead very suddenly. And it was just thing on top of thing on top of thing. Mm. And so we kind of put off trying. And then we tried again and tried again. And then eventually we went down the IDF route, because, which I had really, I'd really pushed back against when anyone suggested that. I was like, no, I had a baby, you know, naturally I had another pregnancy that just didn't work and we can do this. And I was really relentless in that. We can do it. We can do it. I don't need IVF. And I wish I'd actually tried IVF sooner Mm. because we've got our beautiful baby and it doesn't really matter how they come. Mm. It's, you know, uh, I had an incredible obstetrician. I'd actually booked in to see her and then I had the miscarriage and I called to say, I've had a miscarriage. I don't need to see you. And she said, why don't you come in anyway? And she was just lovely. She didn't charge me for the session. She just talked me through everything and was like, this happens quite often. You'll be fine. You'll be back in this room. I guarantee it. You'll have your baby. And then when I got pregnant, I came back to see her and she cried when I walked in and she was like, here you are, I told you. So, yeah, it was three years of trying Mm, before we um, got pregnant. Mm. And it's so true, I think, not only people that have a pregnancy quite easily the first time, but I think most women, no one tells you how frequently miscarriages happen. One in four, that's a lot. That's so, like, probably a lot lot of people we know have had them and don't talk about it, you know, it's... So many people, once I, because I, I think I posted something, so many people contacted me. Yeah. We had one, we had one. And I was like, why don't people talk about mm. this? It's tough. Because you feel so taboo when it, you feel like you've done something wrong. Mm. You Maybe you shouldn't have run or you shouldn't have done this or you were too stressed or you, yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was really, really tough. It's a strange thing to grieve too, isn't it? I mean, like you sort of, yep. I guess some people probably don't want more attention because it makes them feel more upset or something as well and then everyone will ask questions and blah 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 and it opens you up to all of this extra sort of emotional trauma so yeah it's a really strange one but I'm sorry you went through that that's awful I'm so glad that you ended up with a perfect little baby in the end yeah (laughs) I did yeah it was it was really really hard at the time and you have a lot of well-meaning people who are like well you went that far along you know, um, at least, you know, you can get pregnant. Um, and I just think, oh gosh, so nothing yeah, will help. It, it, None it, of those comments will nothing help. Nothing will help. <laughs> no, no. And then, so for the big question, how much has motherhood impacted your identity? Massively. I mean, massively and not massively. Um, my mother was a huge feminist. She like, you know, walked in marches in San Francisco in the 60s and she was really against, um, you know, against racism and super into equality. And, and so she really pushed my sister and I to believe you can do anything. Don't let motherhood hold you back. Mm. Um, you can be a mother and have a career. Um, she went back to uni in her 40s. So it's definitely shaped me in terms of looking at my values and like what do I really want um, and what kind of mother do I want to be even when I feel myself sometimes snapping in the morning or being cranky like I think of my own mum and she was always warm when we came in in the morning she was always so glad to see us um, so I think it shaped me in terms of making me more be more present mm. and more aware of my place and my you know being a role model to my kids and being a not that I'm not that I live up to that all the time, um, but just showing leading by example and not being kind of oh it's all about me me me. Um, I think being a mum, you are forced to look at your behaviour, you're forced to look at your attitude, you're forced to look at 
you know, what example am I setting? And so I think it's defined me in that way, but I've also kept working and I've also kept an identity that is not just, um, I hate saying just a mum because a mum is the hardest job in the world, but it's allowed me to be, to have my career and shape my career in a way that also supports me being a really present mum as well. Mm. Yeah, I love it. I love hearing that. Let's talk about, I mean, you, you've got obviously so much going on with your business and the podcast and everything that you do, especially how many podcast episodes you release. I'm like, how is she doing all of these podcast episodes? Oh. <laughs> how are you managing to divide your time between all of the demands of motherhood? And I don't just mean during the day when we have the option of daycare. I mean all of it. You know, like there's so much stuff that comes with it in the night and in the morning. And how do you yeah. manage to divide your time? Firstly, I have a really supportive partner and I know that is a, you know, something a lot of people do not have. So I know how lucky I am to have that. I also have a very um, supportive mother-in-law. I mean, my whole, my in-laws have been fantastic. My, both of my parents have passed away. My sister lives in the country. Um, so I don't have that much support on my family side. I mean, my sister's a great support, but she's just not physically able to support. Mm. So I should point out that first. I'm not just doing it on my own. Um, but yeah, I work three days a week and I fit my work into uh, school hours. So roughly between nine and three. Um, so I've just time blocked. So in terms of like the podcast that gets done in batches on a Monday. So sometimes, and you'll probably hear it in some of the podcast episodes, I'm just sort of rushing through three episodes to get them done on a Monday and get them batched and sent out to my editor. Um, but in terms of, I mean, I, I think we just... I try not to get too like rigid with rules and everything with the kids. Mm. Um, you know, like if I haven't made every single dinner from scratch, that's fine. If my mother-in-law has bought food, I used to kind of resent it sometimes and be like, I can do it. You know, I can do it all. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, just accept the help mm -hmm. that it's given. Um, and she's great. So she comes once a week on Thursdays. She's amazing. She helps with laundry, even though I tell her not to. I think <laughs> it's just about not beating myself up too much. Yeah. Like, you know, I also think, um, sometimes if my son is like oh you know come outside and play and I'm like I've got to get Elio dinner I've also got to give myself a break and think my parents didn't play with me that much outside and I was fine yeah um, I think nowadays we have all this pressure to like be the perfect mother the perfect wife you know play with our kids with really educational things 24 7 um, make the most perfect lunches mm. all the time so I just try and cut myself a bit of slack mm. but I have like practically wise I have used time blocking really well in my business and that took a few years to figure out so yeah instead of people you know being able to book in with me whenever they feel I felt like it I've reversed that and so I have my set times that I can talk to you mm. and if you don't if they don't suit you then maybe I'm not the right fit for you yeah it's um, so true I yeah. only learned that recently I started doing that um, with this podcast, just offering the days that mm -hmm. I can physically fully be present without my child, because I was trying to do in the first year of the podcast, especially when I had no idea what I was doing and I was sort of floundering around, I was trying to put my then, I think he was only like four or five months old baby down. And he was sort of a continually breastfed, like through mm. the night baby. We didn't sleep very much. Mm. And I'd have about two hours between putting him down and him waking up for another feed. And I'd quickly like eat my dinner and run in and record a podcast. And I wouldn't even be able to focus on my questions or mm. what I was, what the person was saying. Um, you may not be able to tell now because I look back and think, how did I do that? I feel like I wasn't even in my body. Um, <laughs> and now I'm able to actually go, no, I need to make it work for me. Otherwise I'm never going to be able to continue. It's just going to be too hard. 
So time blocking is an excellent piece of advice and also, yeah, doing what's right for you for your business is very good advice as well. Yeah, and I think with that time blocking as well, like setting boundaries. Mm. I used to have clients who were like, can I just call you on a Wednesday? And I'm like, nope, that's the day I work. I, I have my son yeah. Wednesdays and Fridays. And so it's just it's just me saying no. Yeah. Like, they come first. Yeah. So no, I can't take a call and have a kid screaming in the background or all be stressed all day because I've got to try and keep him quiet for that yeah. 20 minutes that you want to call. Um, so yeah, that, that setting boundaries has been a big thing as well and saying no, yeah. or no, I can't come out cause then he won't sleep and I need that time that he sleeps to catch up on, you know, just my life admin, not necessarily totally. And it's like, you know, we don't even really need to give people that reason. It's just the more no. you say yes to things that you can't physically manage, the more overwhelmed you become and the harder life becomes for you rather than everybody else totally. around you. So- yeah. And so I was going to actually ask you if you had advice to other mothers who are listening who are trying to either start or manage a business maybe in the beginning stages of motherhood and struggling with the weight of it all. Would you give any other advice than time blocking? Um, I would, I, I mean, I give this advice whether you're a mother or not to to really map out where your money is going to come from and make sure because you have a very limited time as a mum. So mapping out exactly where is my money going to come from? What are the revenue streams? So for me, I have like business coaching, consulting, group coaching, uh, and then mapping out in the time I have available, how much can I do? So like with my business coaching, if I just did one-on-one business coaching, I can only do six sessions a week. Um, And even if I max them all out, I, or maybe like seven sessions, I can't, um, like I, I can't make the money that I need to make. So I have to have other revenue streams. And I think that's a getting really clear so that you're not spending half a day when your kid's at childcare kind of working on something that actually doesn't give you much return on investment. Yeah, okay. Um, also, if you are going to do, say, content, if you've decided, okay, I'm going to be on Instagram stories or I'm going to do Facebook Lives or I'm going to have a blog or a vlog or a podcast, um, batch it as much as possible and time block. So on Mondays, I don't see clients and I have Mondays to do my own marketing, my own admin, um, working with my VA on, you know, what she needs to get done um, and recording podcasts. And so like if someone books in for a podcast, the only time they can book in is on Mondays between school hours yeah. when I record. Yeah. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's just about figuring out where's your money going to come from so you're not wasting time. Mm. And also like really practically as well, <laughs> putting a block on your time on social media. Mm. I have a half hour time block, so I can only spend half an hour a day on social media. Um, and I also use the desktop Instagram because that allows me to get back to people's DMs without scrolling. Uh-huh. So That's I'll good give advice. myself a little bit of time to go. Yeah, you're not tempted at all to like waste time on the desktop mm. version of Instagram. So yeah, I would just say use your time really wisely mm. um, to start your business. That's really good advice. And then what about the word success? You've probably heard me ask other people about this. What does it look like to you? Has it changed since you became a mum? Oh, 100% it's changed since I became a mum. I was all like, yeah, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to climb the corporate ladder (laughs) Um, and, you know, I'm going to earn this much and now I don't. I literally, and it's not even a joke, I literally have this post-it note um, on my desk um, and it's got my values, which is family, freedom, education, and kindness. Um, and I just, I, I literally, that is success. If my, if I can have a good family environment, we're not all yelling at each other. Um, if I have freedom, if I feel like I'm not being rush, 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 rush. Um, I have freedom in the types of clients I work with. I have freedom to 
you know, take my son to a movie in the middle of the week. Um, and if I'm getting education and giving education and if I'm being kind mm. and showing that as an example to my son, um, he recently got an award at school <laughs> for being super kind. And I was like, that is the best award that you can get yeah, better than, you know, an A plus in maths or whatever. It's like, if you're a kind person, you're a good person and that's what the world needs. Absolutely. So that's success to me. Yes, that's really, I love that. That's so cute that he got that award as well. Yeah, it's just lovely. For my final question of the day, what has motherhood given you? Oh, gosh, that's a big <laughs> I love the sigh that everyone gives me when I ask that question. <laughs> Always the same. Oh, I think it's given me perspective, massive perspective on what is important. Um, but just perspective even just, you know, on a practical sense, like when you're on a walk with a kid, they stop and they look at everything and they are like pointing to different things in the sky and you see so much that you wouldn't see mm. in a normal, you know, even when I've taken my son, my oldest son to the city and, you know, gone to a theatre show or something, he will be pointing at just different things that I've walked past 10,000 times without <laughs> noticing. Um, and so I just think it's perspective on so many levels, perspective mm of like, you know, yes, that client wasn't nice today, but, you know, shake it off. You've got this incredible two children in front of you that need your attention right now. Mm. Or the fact that I just have two healthy children at all. Like, yeah. you know, I have good friends who, are, who would love nothing else than to have a child mm. and it hasn't worked for them. And so I just think huge perspective on how lucky we are, even how lucky we are here in Australia and being white and just Yeah, totally. So much perspective. Mm. Yeah. Amazing. Well, that is all we have time for. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, for anyone who's listening to especially the freelance slash business mothers out there, if you haven't already, stop what you're doing, get a copy of Passion, Purpose, Profit because it's really good. And I only would say that on an episode if I really mean it. I don't always promote people's work this much. It's really worth oh, it. Thank you. So thank Thanks you so, so much. much for coming on to talk to me again. It's been a pleasure to chat. Oh, no, thank you. And thank you for all you're doing because I know a lot of times motherhood can be quite lonely and I'm sure your podcast is helping a lot of people out there feel less alone. I hope so too. Thank you, Fiona. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Today's episode is sponsored by Coco Flip. Coco Flip is a Melbourne-based furniture and lighting design studio run by Kate Stokes and Hazlitt Grounds. Working closely with local craftspeople and manufacturers, they create playful products with personality. With an appreciation of slowness in life and work, they place a high value on time, community and quality. Coco Flip creates distinctive furniture and lighting for people who celebrate the good things in life. Enter Mother Other at the checkout to receive 15% off your order. Valid until November 7th, 2021.